me. That wasn't very polite. That's just the sound I make after watching the most disappointing NFL scouting combine in recent memory. I mean, what was that? What did we see this weekend? It was an abomination. That's what that was. We got to see John Ross break the 40 record. Did he really? Because typically those unofficial times go up after the video replay. This one mysteriously did not. And the side-by-side video of John Ross and Chris Johnson showed Chris Johnson running a faster 40 time. So I don't know what to believe. I don't care. John Ross doesn't care about whether or not he won an island or not because he can't swim. Makes perfect sense. Of all the reasons I would think that someone would dismiss the opportunity to win an island, the inability to swim never occurred to me, but that is just perfect. That is the best possible reason. You don't want to be on an island if you can't swim. It's surrounded by water. John Ross is a genius. He will likely ace the Wonderlick with responses like that. So smart. <laughs> but it's not smart to participate in the 40 if you already know you're guaranteed first round draft capital. Corey Davis was smart to suffer an ankle injury. I don't know if it was recent at the end of the season. I wasn't following his end of season game log with Western Michigan. I'm not sure exactly what happened to his ankle. I'm not sure how serious it was, what the severity was reported to be in late December. But in March, Corey Davis was not able to go based on an ankle injury. And if I were Corey Davis's agent and he were being mocked in the first round, the first or second receiver off the board, I would say absolutely under no circumstances do you run the 40 at the combine. Because while I understand the average 40 time at the combine is five one hundredths of a second slower than the average 40 run at a pro day, a lot of scouts don't appreciate that, much less the public or NFL GMs. So it's in your best interest to run the 40 at your pro day, particularly if you're Mike Williams and you're at Clemson, a school that's notoriously fast with their 40 times at their pro days. You want to run the 40 at your pro day. That saved Laquan Treadwell. Laquan Treadwell, if he had run the 40 at the combine, would not have been a first-round wide receiver, would not have been drafted by the Vikings in the first round had he ran at the combine, and he would have run in the upper four sixes, maybe four seven. He would have been mocked and discarded in the second round. Absolutely, that would have happened. His agents were brilliant to advise him to skip the 40 at the combine. More running backs, more receivers should be skipping the 40. Dalvin Cook should have just skipped the entire event. Go like Corey Davis, suffer an ankle injury that you just can't go. Corey Davis couldn't even do the bench press because of this ankle injury. I love that. Interview and leave. If you're Mike Williams, why are you even participating in the explosion events? Those don't help you. Average broad jump, below average vertical jump. Wah, wah, wah. That was what we were afraid of with Mike Williams. Because his primary skill is winning jump balls in contested situations, he needs vertical explosion to win in the NFL. It's a requirement of a player who wins with strength at the catch point, not with target separation to be vertically inclined. Des Bryant is vertically inclined. Des Bryant has a vertical jump and overall burst score on playerprofiler.com above the 80th percentile. 
So when you see a Laquan Treadwell check in below the 50th percentile in burst and you see Mike Williams check in below the 50th percentile in burst, that is absolutely a red flag. It's another wide receiver that outmuscles opposing cornerbacks in contested situations. A jump ball winner, Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson's burst score, 129.8, 87th percentile. Laquan Treadwell's burst score, 114.6, 18th percentile. Oof. Mike Williams, better than that, but not by much. It's terrifying if you're going to be drafting Mike Williams. It's terrifying. If you're thinking about drafting Dalvin Cook as well, 109.9 burst score, 8th percentile. What is happening? Leonard Fournette's vertical jump was 28.5 inches. (laughs) What is this? Seeing these combine measurables come in this past weekend, the room started spinning on me because this 2017 draft class has been sold to be one of the better, deeper, more talented draft classes in recent memory, and it is absolutely not. We talked about this with Rich Rebar on the show two weeks ago. Until we get the full composite profiles on these players and we know how athletic they are, how can we possibly feel comfortable trading for a first-round rookie pick, for example? Saw so many Dynasty League enthusiasts trading for first-rounders, thinking they were acquiring a surefire star. I can't miss prospect. There are no can't miss prospects in this class. Corey Davis is the closest thing to a can't miss prospect, but the problem is he went to Western Michigan. You can't say that any player from Western Michigan is completely can't miss. He didn't come out early and he went to a small school. So his profile is not just check marks down the list. Amari Cooper's profile was only check marks. There were no blemishes on that profile. He didn't have great burst either, but he didn't win with burst. Mari Cooper's burst score doesn't matter because he wins with route running precision and target separation, not with verticality. He's not a contested ball winner. He's a technician. Mike Williams is a contested ball winner without great burst. How is that going to translate the NFL level? I don't think it's going to translate well. I am terrified of what Mike Williams may be at the next level. And thank God Mike Williams didn't go to USC. If Mike Williams went to USC and he had the same name as a previous bust who had a similar playing style to him at a school that has a reputation for producing bust wide receivers at the NFL level. <laughs> he wouldn't be a first-round draft pick just based on superstition alone. Thankfully, Mike Williams went to Clemson, which has a reputation for producing exceptional NFL wide receivers. Sammy Watkins, Martavis Bryant, DeAndre Hopkins, all recently. I still like Jerron Brown. And don't give me Adam Humphreys. Adam Humphreys was a cardboard cutout wide receiver last year. He just happened to be a healthy body that knew the system after all the other bodies fell around him and went to injured reserve. Russell Shepard, Lewis Murphy, Vincent Jackson. Down, down, down they go. Who's left? Adam Humphreys. Adam Humphreys was just the guy that was left. And now we're hearing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are looking to add a wide receiver in free agency and or the draft. And so former Clemson wide receiver Adam Humphreys 
will be relegated in 2017. Adam Humphreys capped out in 2016. That's peak Adam Humphreys. 55 receptions, 622 yards, two touchdowns. 8.7 fantasy points per game for Adam Humphreys in 2016 represents peak Adam Humphreys. It's never going to get better than that for Adam Humphreys because he's never again going to be on a prolific offense. The Buccaneers threw the ball 40 times per game, above average pass volume for an NFL offense, and Adam Humphreys was the undisputed number three option in that passing game behind Mike Evans and Cameron Brait. How the hell did we get to a place where we're talking about Adam Humphreys? No one's buying Adam Humphreys. No one thinks Adam Humphreys is a value play this year. Why am I eviscerating Adam Humphreys? Why do I feel the need to lob excessive criticism at Adam Humphreys of all players? It's just gratuitous. Poor Adam Humphreys. Get him on your fantasy team. No, don't do that. And you shouldn't be targeting any of these rookies on your fantasy teams either. Yes, Corey Davis. If he's available in your dynasty rookie draft, you take him. He's the best player in this class. The best skill position player in this class, I think now by far and away, is Corey Davis. Now that we've seen Dalvin Cook completely lack burst and agility. Now that we've seen Mike Williams jump the bare minimum and Leonard Fournette lack any burst whatsoever. And if you can't get Corey Davis, get Joe Mixon. As it turns out, the best running back and the best wide receiver in this draft class did not work out at the NFL Scouting Combine. They either weren't there or weren't participating in any of the events. I will have Corey Davis as my number one player overall in this class, and I will have Joe Mixon as my number one running back because it's a process of elimination. Dalvin Cook eliminated himself. Leonard Fournette fell behind Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey was one of the few players that actually exceeded expectations. I mean, this is how you know this was an underwhelming draft class because how many players that you went into the NFL scouting combine excited about then exceeded expectations. I have two, I two players, Christian McCaffrey and Chris Godwin, two Chris's. That's it. Usually the NFL scouting combine is fertile soil for confirmation bias farming. Chris Godwin, one of the few wide receivers we liked heading into the combine, well above average college dominator, college yards per reception, breakout age 19.5, and what he did at the combine exceeded everyone's expectations. 128.3 Spark X score, that Nike athleticism metric, 95th percentile. Woo! His burst score was the worst of all the metrics. 124.2, 67th percentile, well above average, and it just gets better from there. 1101 agility score, 109.5 height adjusted speed score, 88th percentile. Chris Godwin looks like a quality flanker at the NFL level. His best comparable player on Player Profiler is Pierre Garçon, and Pierre Garçon led the NFL in targets one season. Out of that flanker position, running those drag routes, I see Chris Godwin winning in a similar fashion. At 6'1", 209, he has a high BMI, be great in the run game as a blocker, and then be great in those rub routes, strong at the catch point underneath. Chris Godwin is a player I'm excited about. He is rising. When you look at the wide receiver class, after Mike Williams, Corey Davis, Juju Smith-Schuster, and John Ross, who's left? Both the running back class and the wide receiver class lack elite talent and lack depth. This class is horrendous. I'm embarrassed for this class, and I'm embarrassed that I touted this class. I thought this class would have at least a deep 
quality running back group. It doesn't. Maybe Leonard Fournette's good, maybe he's not. But I know he's not athletic. Maybe Dalvin Cook's good, maybe he's not. I know he's not athletic. This is a problem. At least with Christian McCaffrey, we know he's both productive and athletic. How many running backs can you say that about in this class? Very, very few. We hope Joe Mixon's athletic. If he is, he easily becomes the number one back in this class. Easily. Won't even be close if Joe Mixon's athletic. Because if you put Joe Mixon on Florida State in 2016 and you put Dalvin Cook on Oklahoma, I believe Joe Mixon would exceed Dalvin Cook's production on the Seminoles. And I don't think that Dalvin Cook would put up Joe Mixon's numbers on Oklahoma splitting touches with Samaj P. Ryan. So you do these thought exercises, and that's how you end up ranking Joe Mixon number one. And there's an argument to rank Christian McCaffrey number one as well, because Christian McCaffrey shredded the combine. We needed someone to be excited about. I guess Christian McCaffrey and Chris Godwin will do. I mean, Chris Godwin's last name is God and Win. That's a good sign. Christian McCaffrey, 1079 agility score, 96th percentile. He has everything except upper body strength going for him. The upper body strength is what muted his athleticism score and his Spark X score, only 105.1 Spark X, 23rd percentile, but that's because the Nike Spark X score overweights upper body strength. It's a flawed metric. We show the metric because that's the metric people want to see, but our athleticism score metric is a better metric. And that's why you need Player Profiler's data analysis tool. Go to playerprofiler.com forward slash data dash analysis and get data analysis because only with data analysis do you have access to our proprietary athleticism score metric, which is better than the Spark score because we don't weight upper body strength nearly as much, number one. And number two, the metric is more size adjusted. So the heavier backs get a bigger premium with our athleticism score than the Spark X score. So Christian McCaffrey's athleticism score is much higher than his Spark X score. Just another reason to get data analysis. Also, data analysis allows you to select draft year. So you can then sort by draft year and you can see how this class stacks up to other classes. And then you'll find out very quickly, oof, stinky. Anyone that recently acquired 2017 rookie picks in Dynasty, specifically first rounders, has to feel like a sucker right now. You know why you feel like a sucker? Because you are a sucker. Because you traded for these picks before you saw these guys test their athleticism. If their athleticism has not yet been tested, why are you acquiring a first round pick? You're just assuming that, what, the film grinders are right? They know what they're talking about? You haven't been listening to the show long enough if you're making those kinds of assumptions. This class is awful. It's, uh, it's so bad. It's such a disappointment. Think about this for a second. Christian McCaffrey and Chris Godwin were the only players we liked heading into this combine that succeeded to the combine, that exceeded expectations. That is demoralizing for anyone that follows the NFL draft closely and is heavily involved in dynasty leagues like myself. Dalvin Cook, what are you doing? 109.9 burst score and 1180 agility score are both below the 10th percentile. Do you realize what company Dalvin Cook is keeping being below the 10th percentile in both burst and agility? It's horrifying. Dalvin Cook should not have tested at the combine. He had a first round grade. Why did he test? Why? It was a mistake. He runs a faster 40, does better in the agility drills, and jumps farther and higher at Florida State. 
gives him longer to prepare, a more comfortable environment. Why not? What is the point of participating in these combine drills if you're Dalvin Cook and Leonard Fournette? Fortunately, it won't matter. Why won't it matter for Dalvin Cook? Dalvin Cook and Leonard Fournette will be drafted in the first round. Why? Why won't they suffer the consequences of underwhelming scouting combines? The answer? Ezekiel Elliott. The Ezekiel Elliott effect is pushing Fournette into the first round. Because Derrick Henry was a second rounder last year, and Derrick Henry actually had burst. Derrick Henry was prolific in his final season at Alabama, and is a better athlete than Leonard Fournette. Yet, Fournette's destined to be drafted in the first round. Henry was drafted in the second half of the second round. Henry should have been a first round pick. I've said this on a previous podcast, the Cowboys would have been better off drafting Jalen Ramsey and then Derrick Henry in the second round than drafting Ezekiel Elliott and Jalen Smith in the second round because Jalen Smith didn't even play in 2016. He's still a question mark for 2017. Cowboys fans remain enraged about that opinion. How dare you say that? Because Derrick Henry's phenomenal, much better than Leonard Fournette. But Ezekiel Elliott showed NFL franchises, oh, there's value in drafting a running back in the first round. Ezekiel Elliott restored the cachet of the running back position. It's cool to draft running backs in the first round again. If Ezekiel Elliott were being drafted this year, if he waited another year to come out, the NFL would once again be viewing running backs as disposable, as major bust candidates, because Todd Gurley, the 10th overall pick two years ago, imploded in 2016. If Ezekiel Elliott had not come out last year, the track record for first-round running backs would remain catastrophic. NFL GMs would be hesitant to draft even Ezekiel Elliott this year after the season that Todd Gurley just posted. But that's not what happened. Ezekiel Elliott came out in 2016, and he was an MVP candidate, fourth overall pick. And he has changed the perception of the position. GMs now value the running back position more than they did last year and will be drafting multiple running backs in the first round this year that don't deserve to be first round picks. There's one player at the running back position that is going to be so valuable for his team in the NFL where teams are throwing more than they ever have. Rich Rebar said it. Teams are skewing pass heavy, higher pass to run ratio than we've ever seen in 2016. Given this play-calling environment and this trend toward more passing, more up-tempo offenses, the one player in this draft, other than Joe Mixon, who deserves to be selected in the first round, is Christian McCaffrey. But for reasons that have nothing to do with their play on the field, Joe Mixon will not be a first-round pick, and Christian McCaffrey probably will not be a first-round pick because, number one, he's perceived as small, he is less than 205 pounds, and he's white. So there are two prejudices working against Christian McCaffrey. I believe those prejudices will push him out of the first round. And I believe that Dalvin Cook and Leonard Fournette will be drafted in the first round inappropriately. And Joe Mixon and Christian McCaffrey will fall out of the first round, even though they are the only two first round talents in this entire draft class. If I were running a real NFL franchise, I would not be drafting a running back in the first round, but I would consider Corey Davis. I would. And the nice thing is we have now a fantasy draft platform that closely mimics the experience of being a real NFL general manager, and that's Reality Sports Online. If you're going to start a new dynasty league like we are at Roto Underworld Radio, I highly suggest using the Reality Sports Online platform. It's the perfect combination of 
flexibility, and ease of use. I've lamented this before on this show. My Fantasy League is great, but the settings are confusing. My Fantasy League tries to be everything for everyone, and they end up being the most frustrating platform for me to set up leagues on. So I'm excited to launch a league on the Reality Sports Online platform. And in previous shows, I've asked you all to submit contest entries explaining why you would be a better NFL general manager than Ted Thompson, for example, or just in general, what makes you a good general manager? What skills do you bring to the table? And we have some winners. I'm going to announce some winners. We've had two weeks of entries come in. The winners are Zach Kruger, Derek Womack, Russell Franchinini, and Robert Strong. And we'll continue to announce winners in the weeks ahead. It's a 12-person league, and it is sponsored by Reality Sports Online. They are setting up this league for us and providing all the prizes for those that make the playoffs and win the championship. So we're very grateful to Reality Sports Online for partnering with Roto Underworld Radio, number one, but also providing a better fantasy platform for all of us to manage our leagues. We've had some developments in the last week. Beyond the Combine, Jamal Charles is a free agent now. Adrian Peterson is a free agent. And Brandon Marshall is a free agent. Of those players, I'm most excited about Jamal Charles because I think Jamal Charles lacks the wear and tear, much less mileage on those tires. Fewer collisions for Jamal Charles than Adrian Peterson. I think there's a very good chance Adrian Peterson is barely fantasy relevant this season and then in 2018 flushed out of the league completely. Adrian Peterson is a low BMI player who runs to contact and has been injured frequently in the last few years. That's a formula for getting hurt again and underperforming and then being flushed out of the league. The reason why Frank Gore is still performing is because he has a very high BMI and he hasn't been hurt at all in the last few years. But we're worried seeing Matt Forte sustain severe injuries last season. I'm worried seeing Adrian Peterson sustain severe injuries the last two seasons because neither Matt Forte nor Adrian Peterson have that stocky, low-to-the-ground stature that Frank Gore has. They do not have the same body mass protecting all their connective tissue. Adrian Peterson takes huge hits, and he has been taking huge hits for a long time, and I'm not sure how many hits he has left that he can take. Jamal Charles, on the other hand, avoids contact, has far fewer carries on his odometer, and I believe still has explosiveness to be an RB2 in fantasy in a satellite back role, hopefully for a team like the New Orleans Saints. So I am acquiring Jamal Charles for a second-round pick, especially now that we know this class is fraudulent. You can punt these second-round picks. They're worthless. I mean, who's going to be available in the second round? <clears throat> so go get Jamal Charles, a player that can help you win a championship this year. Now, what about Brandon Marshall? Well, I'm excited for Brandon Marshall, the person. I don't necessarily think Brandon Marshall is going to be a top-20 wide receiver this year. I think that's a long shot, no matter where he lands. Maybe if Brandon Marshall lands in Green Bay and supplants Devontae Adams, there I can see him being a WR2 in fantasy. But it's difficult to see it anywhere else. But thinking about Brandon Marshall beyond fantasy, I'm just excited for the man. Think about what he's had to endure for his career. These are the quarterbacks that Brandon Marshall has suffered under during his NFL career. Jake Plummer, Jay Cutler, Chad Henney, Matt Moore, Jay Cutler, Josh McCown, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Bryce Petty. Those are the quarterbacks that have thrown passes to Brandon Marshall throughout his career. Jake Plummer, in his rookie year, was the best quarterback Brandon Marshall 
was tethered to. Jake Plummer. Brandon Marshall's been in the league more than 10 years, and the best quarterback that he could find to throw him the ball was Jake Plummer in his rookie year. Now Brandon Marshall has the ability to go out and sign with any team he wants. And of course, Brandon Marshall is going to want to play for a winner. But beyond that, I'm excited that he could not only play for a winner, but play for an accurate quarterback. A quarterback that can deliver him the ball in the right place at the right time consistently. He's never had that ever in his career. Kirk Cousins would be a major upgrade for Brandon Marshall. I can see Brandon Marshall going to Washington and having a great season. Washington is the other landing spot where I can see Brandon Marshall being a top 20 wide receiver. Brandon Marshall lands in New England. Brandon Marshall lands in Green Bay. Brandon Marshall lands in Dallas. All these places would be significant upgrades for Brandon Marshall. I can't imagine how demoralized this list of quarterbacks made Brandon Marshall. I would have considered retiring. There was a stretch where Larry Fitzgerald was suffering under some of the worst quarterback play of any wide receiver. Ryan Lindley, Drew Stanton, Kevin Cobb, but he also had Kurt Warner. He's also had Carson Palmer. Brandon Marshall has never had a quality quarterback since his rookie year. Couldn't escape Jay Cutler. That's depressing. But now, finally, he has an opportunity to choose his own destiny. Go play for the Steelers. Go play for the Patriots. Go play for the Saints if they trade away Brandon Cooks. Go play for the Falcons. He'd be an upgrade over Mohamed Sanu. Brandon Marshall is one of the most underappreciated wide receivers in NFL history. And the reason why is because he's never been paired with a great quarterback. So there's so many yards, so many receptions and yards and touchdowns that Brandon Marshall never accumulated because he was never with a quarterback that could deliver the ball accurately, consistently. We'll never know how great Brandon Marshall could have been if he were drafted by the Saints and spent his entire career in New Orleans. We could be thinking of Brandon Marshall as the best receiver of all time, a player poised to challenge Jerry Rice's records. We'll never know what he could have done with great quarterback play. But at least now we get to see him fulfill a professional dream to play with a good quarterback. Could be Marcus Mariota in Tennessee. There's a lot of options for Brandon Marshall, and I'm excited for him.